Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Bill's Mafia. Welcome to another episode of the Mafia Cast. Uh, today we've got a guest, and both of my co-hosts are out today. One is sick, one's got some other engagements going on, but we're here with today with Aaron Shaz. Aaron, how are you? Hey, I'm good, guys. Guys, guy. I'm good, guy. <laughs> <laughs> just, just one of me today. Uh, thank you, first of all, for coming on. Um, before we get into this, let's hear from our sponsor over at Game On sports hey it's john from game on sports memorabilia check out our huge selection of unopened wax boxes of pokemon cards you have to see our selection of over two million sports cards in stock plus hard to find card supplies and if you have anything to sell bring it in we can help you determine the true value before you sell it we pay fair market value every day it's game on sports memorabilia 2670 dewey avenue in greece check out our podcast for news and information on the card and collectible universe also check out our facebook page for more call 481-2153 that's 481 481- 2153. All righty. So that was from uh, John, our, our sponsor over at Game On Sports. Uh, Aaron, so Super Bowl, you, how's your week gone since then? Before then, was I'm, I'm sure it was a crazy, yeah, it crazy was couple weeks for you. It was an interesting Super Bowl to do. Okay. So, first of all, just being in Las Vegas was interesting. I talked to a lot of the other people and, and There was a general feeling that despite being in Las Vegas, we didn't really want to do Las Vegas things. Like, I think a lot of the media, we didn't go out gambling. We didn't go to shows. Some people went to see you too, or, uh, but like, not like Vegasy shows, you know? Um, I think there was a feeling we were kind of there to work and go home. I ended up staying an extra day because of a snowstorm that hit Boston. Uh, So I was there for nine days. It was a long time. And obviously things got interesting for me in the middle. Uh, because of the MVP vote on on Thursday night. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit, but that certainly made for an interesting last couple of days. (laughs) And it was a great game. I mean, you know, if not the best Super Bowl ever, one of the greatest Super Bowls ever with all the lead changes in the fourth quarter and overtime. And, um, you know, it was fantastic. And Allegiant Stadium is a very nice stadium. I've heard that that's one of the nicer stadiums. I obviously have never been there, but... uh, since you brought that up, where would you kind of put that stadium in, in the you know ranking amongst the the ones you've been to? You know, it's like the newer the 
better, really. I mean, you know, it's not as, you know, it's not as nice as SoFi. It's not as nice as Jerry Jones's Palace, I don't think. But, you know, it's a fairly new stadium, so it's very state-of-the-art. Yeah, I, I wanted to get into, so uh, people who don't know, uh, you were basically created the, the DVOA metric. Uh, for listeners, again, who don't know, myself included, I'm, I kind of know what it's about, but not fully. So if you can kind of explain what it is exactly, what does the DVOA stand for and what it, it was the goal and, met, and, and uh, the metric you're trying to get to. Sure, it stands for Defense Adjusted Value Over Average. And the idea is to rate the success of every play compared to the down and distance. And then we compare that to a league average baseline that's adjusted for situation and opponent. That is the very, very short version. <laughs> and it's normalized for every year. And I have it going back to 1979 at this point. So we wow. can compare current seasons to past seasons where the average for every year is zero. So it reflects the fact that there's more offense now than there was, you know, 40 years ago. But obviously I use it mostly to look at the current season and the current what's going on in football right now. And it's more predictive than, you know, basic yardage totals or however the NFL wants to rank teams. Based on the DVOA, who over the last three or four years has been kind of consistently the, some of the top teams? Buffalo, Kansas City. Um, I mean, the, te the honestly, the answer is the teams that you would expect. San Francisco. Um, you know, those those are the teams that have been consistently near the top of the league, and I don't think that surprises anyone. I mean, you know, L.A. was up and then down and then up again. Uh, the Rams I'm thinking of here. Um, you know, Dallas has been consistently good. Philadelphia the last couple of years has been really good. So it's, it's, it's mostly the teams that you expect, but it shows you things like, uh, you know, a good example is after week 12 of this year, when Philadelphia was 10 and one and Buffalo was six and six, we had Buffalo higher than Philadelphia. And it showed that the underlying performance of Buffalo was better than Philadelphia. Now I would not have expected Philadelphia to fall apart to the level that they did near the yeah. end of the season, yeah. I would have expected Buffalo to be the better team the rest of the way. And they were. Yeah. I, I would, that Eagles collapse, we'll call it what it is. That was a little shocking. Um, I think I mentioned this uh, before in a previous one of our shows that uh, I don't think I can recall a time in the past where I've seen a team collapse harder, if you will, than that. Um, they completely fell off the cliff. They couldn't do anything right. It seemed. And, and honestly, uh, you know, I've kind of this is my my rant of the season when it comes to that Philadelphia game. Uh, if the officials had called that fumble and by AJ Brown in the in the overtime a fumble, they would have lost that one too. Um, but just a complete the, uh, collapse. I think it's a, an Eagles year with Rich Kotite. Uh, I can't. Well, I'm blanking right now on whether the Rich Kotite year where he his team collapsed completely in the second half of the year was one of his Eagles seasons or one of his Jets seasons. It may have been one of his Jets seasons, but there have been a couple of teams that collapsed like this in the past, but it's rare. Yeah, what would you attribute that to? Anything that really stood out to you that, that you can I mean, kind of some of it was just it? a change. of They just went from having amazingly good luck to amazingly bad luck, <laughs> but the actual performance didn't change anywhere near it. I mean, it, the performance, the underlying performance changed but not as much as the wins and losses and the scores would indicate. 
but I do not know what causes. It's generally my belief that football players play hard, right? Yeah. I'm not a belief. I'm not a believer that these guys, you know, I'm a believer that they pretty much all try pretty much all the time. That's what makes them professionals. And when it seems like that's not happening, I don't really, I'm not a psychologist enough to know the reasons for it, but it really just seemed like everything just imploded. Yeah, completely. Uh, Casey, again, of our, our one of my co-hosts here, he's, he has COVID, so he's just kind of listening in the background, but he wants to know what's your opinion on Jalen Hurts as a franchise quarterback? I think that um, it's interesting. We, we talk about often that there's three kinds of quarterbacks. There's the kind that you win because of, there's the kind that you win with, and there's the kind that you win despite. Huh. Like and it. I think Jalen Hurts is in the win because of category, but he's the bottom guy in that category. Okay. I think of all the quarterbacks who have special traits that can lift your team, he's the worst. <laughs> so but he's the he best. Has special he's the worst and the best. He has special traits. You know, and you can decide, do you want the best guy from the win with category, which is probably Brock Purdy at this point, or do you want the worst guy from the win because of, because of category, which is probably Jalen Hurts at this point, or Kyler Murray, right? Like you can have that yeah. as an interesting debate. But like obviously of the other guys who are sort of, um, you know, have sort of transcendent abilities in certain ways, you'd rather have Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. But Jalen does have special he, – he, he has things that make him special, I do think. I have to say I'm a little surprised that you mentioned Dak Prescott in there because I think if you ask a lot of Cowboys fans, they would disagree with that. You're wrong. So kind of going back to that, do you would you put uh, Prescott kind of in that category of, of Hurts, maybe on the lower end, but, you know, somebody that the – I think he's better. I'd rather have Dak Prescott than Hurts. Okay. Dak Prescott was really good this year. He was. Listen, I don't know what the deal is with the playoffs. I don't. But there are a lot of times in history where guys couldn't do it in the playoffs until the year that they just kind of did. Yeah. And the fact is you have a much bigger sample size of Dak Prescott being very good. That's kind of where we are with Josh Allen, isn't it? Kind of where – well, except the difference is there isn't the feeling that Josh Allen has been bad in the playoffs. It's that the Bills have had bad luck, you know, and a bad game last year was bad. But he's had a lot of good performances in the playoffs where they've lost slim by slim margins, whereas Prescott has fallen on his face. Yeah. Yeah, That's if the a... NFL was rigged, someone's asking about whether the NFL is rigged. The NFL is rigged. They would not rig it so a team from Kansas City won everything. They would rig it so a team from Chicago or New York or Los Angeles won everything. I agree. You know, it's funny because I – to me, if you want to rig something and you want to make it the most interesting, you're not going to have one team dominating every year either. I, I feel like you. I kind think of also, play. yeah, you you would establish them as the villains, but then you would have them lose sometimes and win sometimes. Yeah, but you wouldn't have the villains come from the one of the smallest markets. You just wouldn't do that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, that would be more like the uh, the David of the David and Goliath story coming from the smaller market, right? But, I mean, I mean, obviously, because of the way the NFL works, that's not the case but you would want yeah. the team that wins the championship to have the most fans possible you would want it to be one of the large market teams not one of the small market teams yeah and uh, that certainly makes sense since we're kind of talking about the quarterbacks here um yeah i i saw a lot on on twitter x what you want to call it since the mvp voting came out um and i respect the fact that you wrote about the fact that you you voted for Josh Allen and the reasoning behind that uh, for those who may not have seen that or read that kind of go into your, the, your reasoning behind giving him the, that lone first place vote. Yeah, obviously I made a lot of waves. I did not think that I was going to be the only person who didn't vote Lamar Jackson. Number one, I was really surprised um, that I was the only one especially after the all pro voting when two people voted for Prescott and two people voted for Purdy, I thought, okay, the Prescott people will vote for Prescott for MVP and the Purdy people will probably vote for Christian McCaffrey for MVP. And then I voted for Allen and that'll be good. And Lamar Jackson will get like 44 or 45 votes. No, got 49 votes. Um, I came down to four quarterbacks, you know, for all that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. He had a bit of an off year, so he's out. So I came down to Purdy, Jackson, Allen, and Prescott. And I just had a hard time going with Brock Purdy, despite the fact that he was so good in so many efficiency stats, because Jimmy Garoppolo the year before was also so good in so many efficiency stats. And nobody thinks of Jimmy Garoppolo as an MVP candidate. And yet here was Purdy, better than Garoppolo, but not by a huge margin. Um, I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. So, so Jackson and Allen and Prescott, the fact is, um, you know, people said uh, there's been a lot of talk from Baltimore about the idea that I've never watched a football game in my life. Of course, this is ridiculous. I watch a ridiculous amount of football and I watch a ridiculous amount of the Baltimore Ravens this year. Um, because I was basically driving the Baltimore Ravens bandwagon as a team, as a team, they were phenomenal in my stats, but Lamar yeah. Jackson was not. And if you look at basically every advanced metric out there, including both mine and competitors to mine, Allen, usually Prescott, and usually Purdy were all higher than Lamar Jackson. And so then if you also add in the eye test, I mean, you know, watch Josh Allen and watch Jack Dak Prescott too. They do a lot of pretty amazing things. It's not only they Lamar do. Jackson who does amazing things to the eye test. I think part of what happened with Lamar Jackson is he was better in the second half of the season. But as far and there's there's an argument to be made that the MVP uh, should be weighted towards the second half of the season. But I don't make that argument. To me, it represents the whole year. He was not as good in the first half of the year. Uh, Allen was better in the first half of the year than he was in the second half of the year, but it wasn't a very big drop off. So once I realized that every stat basically had Prescott and Allen ahead, then the decision came down to Prescott and Allen. And then, and Allen was ahead of Prescott in almost everything. And the big difference was schedule. 
Allen played roughly an average schedule, I think. Prescott played the easiest schedule of any quarterback in the league. And that's how I ended up with Josh Allen. Listen, it was a very difficult year to vote for MVP. There was no clear candidate. Yeah. Um, and I mean, 18 interceptions is not good. It's just it was over um, all the good things he did outweighed those interceptions. So you brought up the interceptions, and Roy asked that very question. Do you think the turnovers is what basically hurt Allen's MVP chances? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no question. Some people look at the, just the number of interceptions, 18, and they just shut off. They don't think about what else he did, and they don't think about um, – what those interceptions mean. The fact is his interceptions were thrown on average much farther downfield than any other quarterback's interceptions this year. Jordan Love was second. And the farther downfield your interceptions, the less um, the less negative they are. Right. And also if they come on third or fourth down, the less negative they are. So the actual like, value of his interceptions was much closer to the value of the interceptions of quarterbacks who had like 13 or 14 interceptions. You know, I mean, he still had lost a lot of value, but then if you look at negative plays as a whole, he took very few sacks. So on the whole, he didn't have more negative plays than the other quarterbacks. It's just that his negative plays were interceptions instead of sacks and fumbles. Yeah. Do you think, I, I, this is my opinion. So when I saw that the, the MVP voting had come out and saw that it was 49 to one, uh, you can ask the co-host or any of the, our loyal listeners. I have a real issue with the pro bowl and the way the voting uh, occurs. And now I'm starting to kind of feel that way towards the MVP voting and other awards for that matter. And it's becoming to me less, um, less valuable, I guess, less, I'm not sure what exactly what I'm looking it's for a here. Good panel. And they do a good job. They've done a good job the last couple of years of bringing on people like me who have a different point of view. I do think it's a good panel. And I certainly do not, you know, I just assume that everybody took it as seriously as I took it and they just came to a different conclusion than me. And that's fine. I do worry a little bit about the idea that in our, social media day and age, there's a little bit of a subconscious tendency to go with the overwhelming public narrative, yeah. which was that Lamar Jackson became the MVP when they beat San Francisco on Christmas day. And that was it. Yeah. I, there was one of the, the people on that list. Um, I think it's Manuel Acho, I believe is his name. Yeah. I've seen some stuff from him on Twitter. That's completely, one-sided away from Buffalo and, and Josh Allen. Oh, uh, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what he thinks of Josh Allen personally, but I mean, he's, it's a mix, right? It's a mix of um, guys who are sort of like hot take type guys like Ancho and color commentators and a few like X players. And then there's this like little group of kind of statsy people that's come on in the last couple of years, like me and Sam Monson from pro football focus and Mina Kimes. And so, it's a good mix of people. Do you think 50 is enough? Uh, if you're Josh Dubow and your job is to count the votes, then yes. 
we give the man enough work as it is when they expanded to the ranked voting last year. I don't know if we can give him any more. <laughs> it's very uh, likely that if there had been 60 people, it would have been 59 to one. That's probably true. Um, I, I know there's lots of, since we're talking about the MVP, I know there's lots of different uh, media outlets out there that do their um, way too early odds. We, we know that those are all going to change because of free agency and draft and things like that. But one of them that I recently was looking at, in fact, and I wrote uh, an article about it today that just went live, but uh, it had Patrick Mahomes, number one, for MVP voting for next year as far as the odds on, and then Allen was number two. Rounding out that top five, though, which is one I found interesting, and that was C.J. Stroud. He came in at number five. Do you see Stroud that high on on potential MVPs next year? It's not ridiculous. He was really good this year when he was healthy. Right. He was really good. He had the third most valuable rookie quarterback season by our numbers. Um, he was, he was, something. he really was, and he really was that good. And if Houston takes another step forward, he's absolutely going to be an MVP candidate. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and he did what, half the season without Tank Dell, I think. I know Dell got injured. Yeah. A few games the- without Tank Dell. And, yeah. Uh, you know, he missed a couple games with concussions, so he didn't play a full season. But he 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 did have a phenomenal rookie year. He did, and so I uh, think the idea is, you know, if Houston takes a step forward and he takes a step forward, uh, that he could that, be an MVP candidate. Makes sense. AFC is a tough tough conference, but uh, Casey asked, how often do they change the voters? Is it pretty much the same fifty every year, or does it change every I time? I think they change one or two of us every year. There's been a movement in the last few years uh, to kind of take some of the older names off and put some newer, younger names on. I mean, I, it's strange that I qualify as a newer, younger name at the age of 49, but I do. Uh, it used to be much more local reporters, and now it's more national people. But they don't specifically look to change over a number of names every year. And there's certain people, certainly people like Peter King who've been on that panel forever, and rightfully so. Yeah, <laughs> Rightfully yeah. so in his case. Um, so they don't, you know, in particular look to, to change it, but it's just so happens that in the last few years, there've been a few, few new people on who determines Tom Brady, for example, Tom Brady is on the panel now. Couldn't, wouldn't have been possible in the past. This was his first year on the panel. Yeah. I imagine he'll probably stick on that panel for a while. I would think so. Um, I had a question then I, I lost it, (laughs) but, um, oh man. Anyways, moving forward, uh, we'll just move on. So, Super Bowl's done. We're officially into the off season, and something that we kind of talked about last on last week's show. We we talked a little bit about the uh, the wide receivers, uh, the free agent wide receivers. <clears throat> I think just about every Bills fan out there is probably calling for a new number two. Um, first of all, what is your opinion on that fact? Do you think Gabe Davis is pretty much this is his ceiling. We've seen what he can do, and it's time to move on. Or where do you kind of see that playing out? Yeah, he's mercurial. You know, I mean, I think he is who he is. Um, the question about whether they can get another um, number two is just how much money they're going to have. They're in a bad place cap wise. Yeah, they're in a bad place cap wise, and they're going to have to let free agents leave. They're not going to be able to afford. They're going to have to restructure some guys. They're um, over the cap has them fifty one million under uh, fifty one million over the cap 
at this point. I mean, it's not yeah. good. So for them to free up the space to sign all their rookies and sign a big name number two wide receiver is going to take a lot of work. And I think will decimate, for example, the um, depth of the defense. Like maybe not the top level of the defense, but right. the ability to withstand injuries when the injuries show up in the middle of next year. Right. And I and to me, I think that's a big reason why I've seen a lot of fans calling for, you know, uh, Mike Evans is a big name I've seen tossed around. But I think he's projected somewhere around 20 million a year um, uh, um, annual average. To me, I don't, I don't see Buffalo going for that because of what you just said, the, the cap situation. They're going to have to fill in some other spots. Um, and I, I do think the Bills, with having 10 draft picks this year, I think a lot of that depth is going to come from rookies. They're going to have to lean on the rookies a little bit more this coming season than they have in the past. But some of the names that I brought up as far as free agent wide receivers, Curtis Samuel, uh, DJ Chark, Mooney, KJ Osborne, uh, and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, those to me are – Lower level guys. Lower level guys, yeah. Yeah, that you can probably afford. I'm not – I noticed your, your facial expression there when I mentioned people. Yeah, you know, I've always kind of liked <laughs> DJ Chark. Um, he's a little older, though. Samuel's never really done anything for me. I feel like he never lived up to the potential that people thought he had coming out of college. Uh, People's Jones is – I feel like is just Gabe Davis. Okay, um, yeah. Mooney's good. Mooney would be interesting. Yeah, this group, Mooney's my favorite. It's interesting you mentioned the the lack of production from from Curtis Samuel uh, and not living up to that 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 reputation or not reputation but potential. One of the things that I noticed with him is I think he had like a four to three one forty, but his career average per reception is only like 10, 10 and some change. Yeah, he's mostly a gadget uh, guy. He's a he's yeah. not a number two. He's a slot gadget type player. Yeah. They put him in the backfield sometimes. It doesn't, it's not, that's not the Gabe Davis replacement. That's, it doesn't fit. Yeah, I, I would agree. What do you think Mooney can be signed to? What what kind of a contract would that maybe entail? Uh, not an area of my expertise, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what guys are going to go for in the market. Yeah, and I just basically have to go off of what Spot Track tells me. And some They the normally, side. you know, a guy signed contracts and I go, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds I mean, good. Uh, I, I judge it more on where they rank amongst the free agents to figure out whether I think it's a good contract or not. I don't really quite know what the numbers, you know, how much the value is. Yeah. I, I know for spot, as far as spot track says, Mooney is projected at uh, 10.4 million per year. And they've got Gabe Davis projected around the 12, 13. I, I don't know that Davis is going to get that much. Honestly, but I could see a team out there maybe saying, "Hey, I think I can get more out of this guy," and maybe they do offer him a bigger deal. But um, we'll see what that how that plays out. What about the the draft? This is chock full of receivers. Uh, we've seen multiple um, mock drafts out there. I've seen everything from defensive tackle to receiver. Um, edge, corner, safety. We've seen it all already just about. As far as receivers go, have you had a chance to really kind of look to? No, I haven't. Or... I haven't. We do a projection. I do I do a pro projection system with a, a guy named Nathan Forrester for wide receivers, but we haven't done numbers for this year yet, so I don't. 
I don't know much about the college wide receivers coming out other than Marvin Harrison is kind of like a god. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of the word out there, but I don't not see what we're getting there. Yeah, not coming to Buffalo. No, no, definitely not. I, I Yeah, the fan base is kind of crazy. <laughs> and, you know, trade away the whole draft all 10 picks to move up to get Marvin. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. Some of the things that go on out there. Um, moving forward, we've had in the last couple of shows. Now we've had somebody ask us um, about Tredavious white and we keep meaning to get to it. Keep meaning to get to it. Well, this week, I think we're going to, we're going to get to it. I don't remember the contract number specifically. I think it's, a savings of 10 million, but they it's a cap hit of six or something like that. Yeah. If it's a post June one, I have it in front of me as a post June one cut, it would be a cap savings of 10, but 6 million in dead money. Yeah. In your opinion, does, is that worth that or should they, what, what should they do? With they life? might kind of get stuck having to do it. Like, it's hard to know how good he is after the two injuries, right? We haven't seen that much of him for the last couple of years. Achilles is a bad injury. And the fact is he, um, you know, cornerbacks are generally inconsistent. It's a, it's a really weird position to try to do analytics on because like any type of analytics you do come out as just really inconsistent from year to year. Like Patrick Sertain this year was kind of average, right? Patrick Sertain last year was freaking amazing. Yeah. So that's what I mean by inconsistent. Like certain guys have reps, but their stats go up and down. So I don't know what to expect of Tredavious White in the future. And I think with the injuries and whatnot, you know, he may not be a guy you want to pay $16.5 million a year to. Yeah. And that, I, there, I think to me, there's two positions that the Achilles is almost like career ending, and that's running back and probably corner. Uh, the constant changing directions and having to be, do that quickly and, it's a it's a it's definitely an uphill battle uh the team is they of course benford has played well uh they got douglas under contract for next year as well Kyrie elam new defensive back coach new season hopefully stays healthy we'll see what he can do i i'm with you i just don't know if there's a, a spot on the roster this uh, coming year for trey white which kills me Absolutely you want there to be you want player. there to be he's it's not like it's not like you expect him to be bad yeah it's just you I don't think you can expect him to be worth 16 mil. Right. I agree. Richard here says, I feel bad for White, but his cap is too high to keep. That's kind of what we're saying here. Casey, thoughts on moving him to safety? Uh, that's come up a few times as well. What do you think about that? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. I'm not familiar enough with his strengths and weaknesses to say, oh, yeah, that, you know, oh, that makes sense a little bit. And I, you know, and I don't know what the Achilles will, how the Achilles will affect that. Yeah. I, to me, just to answer the question plainly, I don't think he tackles well enough to be a safety. You also don't want to be spending $16 million on safety. Uh, that's true as well. That is true. Um, John, Robert, he restructure release has had two ACL injuries, even though I like him. It's one ACL injury and one Achilles is what he's had over the last two seasons. Doesn't it feel like there have been more Achilles this year than any other year? I'm just, I think about Dre Greenlaw in the Super Bowl plus Aaron Rodgers, you know, just like, it just feels like there've been a lot of very high profile Achilles tears this year. Yeah. I, yeah. Her, her, it her does. Cousins was an Achilles. Yeah. 
is there I, i'm assuming that that's probably just one of the the freak things of the league Love i'm guessing game. it's just random chance yeah yeah um yeah i think there's been a lot and you brought out drake greenlaw let me ask you do you think that changed the game oh yes Oh, yeah, Kelsey had one catch for one yard in the first half. And then in the second half, he was getting totally open in zones where he might have had Greenlaw near him. And then he had a couple of times. I mean, Warner is the better linebacker in coverage. And he had, he got open against Warner on that mesh cross on like third and six or something. Mm -hmm. So that Greenlaw wouldn't have helped. But I absolutely do think that having Greenlaw out of that game hurt the 49ers. No question. Man. The injuries are so frustrating as a fan. I, I was telling my guys last week when we were doing this show, I think as a fan, when you're watching these games, one of the most frustrating things about it is you're watching everything unfold and you're sitting there thinking, I mean, you, you can't do anything about it. And nope. completely out of control of anything you could possibly do. And um, I think that's where a lot of the frustration with fans comes from is they they – they throw out there, well, just do this. Well, just do that. Why aren't they doing this? And it's just not that easy. I'm, yeah, basically. And you got to have depth because you have to expect to have an average number of injuries. On average, you will have an average number of injuries, which means you need to have depth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, J-Dub here, you don't evaluate trades a 16 million player. You evaluate him as a $6 million player. I, because it's that a, would be the cap savings. That's the pre-June 1 cap savings is 6. Yeah. And the post-June 1 cap savings is 10. Yeah. Well, there's definitely going to be a lot of turnover in the Bills secondary, no doubt. Uh, Micah High looks like he's probably going to retire. Uh, no, we don't know what's going to with Trey Wyatt. Whether he stays on the roster or not, he's not going to be ready for the start of the season, most likely. Uh, we don't know about Jordan Poyer. Uh where do you kind of see this secondary going? Um, we'll just kind of jump into this. What would Aaron do if you're like basically a general manager of this team? Oh, you've, you've got it's some issues. Really hard because you've got a cut in a lot of places. And there's some good safeties out there in free agency, but I don't know if you can afford them. Um, looking at the depth chart, uh, you know, there's not there's not a lot of uh, depth at the position, right? Poyer. Poyer's around, but uh, Taylor Rapp is a free agent also. Mm -hmm. uh, I think your best bet would be to draft somebody to play next to Poyer and then maybe sign a guy who's a lower a lower down guy. Again, this is, I mean, this is gets to the, the problem, which is the Super Bowl window. I mean, I wouldn't say it's closed for next year, but it's going to be much harder because they're just, they're going to have to lose depth. They just can't afford the you know with what digs and, and allen's contracts become next year they just can't afford to keep a lot of guys speaking of digs can you i assume but can you explain to people that he's not going anywhere oh yeah he's he's uh <laughs> if you cut him there would be negative cap savings yeah uh there's um, um there's a lot of people that want you could yeah. trade him uh but you'd need to trade him post june 1st um I think uh, the best explanation I've heard is that he was injured in the second half of the year, which at least gives you some hope because, man, he was not good in the second half of that year. Um, and he's yeah. older. He's older, and guys don't usually bounce back at that age. But um, if it was an injury, then that gives you hope for next year that he'll return to not maybe what he was in the past, but certainly better than he was in the second half of last year. I mean, I think they should explore trading him, I do. 
Yeah, they just they don't have outside of Khalil Shakir. Really, that's about all they have in that wide receiver. Right. right See, now. We keep running into this these problems, right? Like yeah. it's they're going to have to go cheap at certain positions. They're going to have to depend on rookies. It's it's going to be different. It's going to be different. I mean, there still will be Allen, right? And certain yeah. other players are still, you know, there's still going to be uh, Matt Milano coming back from injury, and it's just tough. Uh, it's going to be a tough year. It is, and I've seen a lot of people talk about uh, the Bills trading away some of their, their draft capital to try to move up in the draft to get certain players, you know, X, Y, Z, whoever they are. Uh, I've seen everything from – restructuring digs to push that, that cap hit down the road. Uh, from an analytical perspective. What's that? All, from an analytical perspective, it is almost always the wrong move to trade up unless you are trading up for a quarterback. Which we don't need. It is much better to trade down and get more lottery tickets. Even if those lottery tickets aren't as good, you usually get more value by trading down. Trading up, you're, you generally lose value for players who you have no idea if they're really going to be better than the player you could have taken in the other spot. Yeah, it, and it's interesting too because to me, I almost I don't want to say the 2024 is kind of a wash, but I want to I, I would rather rather the team Brandon Bean and company kind of just stay the course. Don't do all these restructures. Just you know, take the, the the cap hits this season, lean on your drafts. And like you were saying, maybe draft back, pick up some additional draft picks and hope for the best this coming season, but put yourself in a better position in 2025 and 26 and beyond. Um, Casey back here asked the question about the salary cap. We keep hearing the salary cap is going to explode. Uh, do you think that's going to happen or is it going to be bigger? Yeah, it yeah, gets it, bigger every year, but they're still way over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, we we there's the 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 annual increase, right? But then there's talk of there's going to be a, a year where it jumps, like a, you know, double I what have, it has in years past. I have no idea. That's a better question for Adam Schefter than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things you keep hearing, but it just doesn't happen. So. Um, John Robert asked, uh, who do you suggest we get for wide receivers? We kind of touched on that as far as the free agency. Yeah, the problem is the, the the really good ones you guys are not going to be able to afford, like yeah. Michael Pittman. You know, Michael Pittman. Um, I think, um, you know, one interesting possibility would be to move Shakir to the outside and get a slot guy instead of the idea of replacing Davis. Replace Davis with Shakir and then get a slot. Shakir can be more of an outside guy than a slot guy, I think, given – what his talents are. Um, but again, you know, we run into the same problem, which is we're looking at the second level of receivers here. We're not looking at the top, the top yeah. level because there's just, they're going to have to make cuts. Yeah. It's going to be a different roster for sure, especially on the defensive side. I think the offensive yeah. side for the most part is, is set. There's not a lot of changes there. Um, but I, I would like, wouldn't mind seeing Khalil Shakir move to the outside. I, I live here in the Boise area, so I watched his entire collegiate career. I know he's more than capable of playing on the outside. And in doing so, kind of, again, 
opens up to who who we're going to put in that in that slot position. We still have well there you can. I mean, I'm not a Paris Campbell guy, but like you know, yeah. I mean, there are slot receivers on the market. Paris Campbell, <laughs> an example. I mean, if you if you've got the money, you can get Tyler Boyd, and then you steal from the Bengals. I just don't know if they have the money to do that. Yeah. Now, Roy says Mahomes did it with second level receivers. He also did it with a Super Bowl. He also did it with Travis healthy and with more luck than any team in the playoffs in the last six years. There it is. That, let's be, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. As great as Mahomes is and as great as he was on that last drive, if that ball doesn't go off the foot of that 49ers up guy on the punt, mm-hmm. yeah, San Francisco wins that game in regulation. How, bringing up the whole concept of luck, I've seen a lot of people have been mentioning this as of late when it pertains to the Bills. If Bills are healthy the last two years, do you think the playoffs and their seasons end differently? I mean, that game against the Bengals two years ago was bad. Yeah. Um, This one was much closer this year, so I don't really know the answer. Um, I mean, they have a better shot, certainly, you know, with Milano and um, Edmonds. Uh, sorry, um, that, not a, uh, uh, who am I thinking of? The, the linebacker, Bernard. Sure, Bernard, um, yeah. They, they, um, they have a better shot this year if those guys are healthy, certainly, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, Bernard, the injury with, with him and against the Chiefs, that kind of like the Draylaw injury, I felt like that completely changed. Sucked it out in the middle of the game, yeah. It's, you know, because yeah. you're, pre- you know, you're not ready for your top guy to get injured in the middle. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Chiefs going to three P. <laughs> I mean, it's never happened before, so it's unlikely. They certainly go into next year as I think the favorites. Um, I think San Francisco is the current betting favorite. You know, they're going to possibly lose Chris Jones. They're going to lose a couple of other players. Uh, Legarius Need, I think, is a free agent. Yeah, he's a free agent. So, um, you know, they've got a shot, but it's it's unlikely. It's interesting. They're they're sort of have a better shot than anyone else, but less of a shot than 50 50, certainly. I saw some show did who would you take for next year, the Chiefs or the field? And that's a ridiculous question. Of course, you would take the field. (laughs) Even if the Chiefs have the best shot of any team for next year, there's no way it's higher than 25%. Yeah. No way it's higher than 20%, honestly. Yeah, Super Bowl odds that I saw earlier today, I think had San Francisco number one, followed by the Chiefs. They two might have been flip flop. I don't can't remember. And then the Ravens, and then the Bills were number four on that on that list. Um, right, that's the other reason the 49ers are favorites is because they have an easier path. Yeah, I think there's generally a feeling that once again next year the AFC is likely to be better than the NFC. Speaking of San Francisco, really quick. They fired uh, Steve Wilkes. Yeah. Is that a jerk reaction? A little bit. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think he did an okay job, sure. Yeah, I thought he did too, and it's unfortunate. It just kind of reminds me of some I had them like fourth. They were like fourth in defensive DVOA. I mean, that's a good job. Yeah. (laughs) I would say that's better than just a good job, but yeah. Um it's unfortunate this happens to coaches a lot. Um, I, I remember going all the way back to 1999 with the Music City Miracle, and I believe Bobby April was the special teams coordinator then. And, and right after that game, he was gone. And then a year later, uh, Wade Phillips was gone. And then Buffalo just 
all the way down and, and enter the drought. But um, really quick, Aaron, I, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, let everybody know kind of, you know, what you got going on. Where, where they do you find me, you want to know? I'm at FTN yeah. Fantasy. So FTNFantasy.com slash DVOA. At an FTN Fantasy subscription gets you not just all the DVOA splits and all the historic data. It also gets you fantasy projections that are already ready for 2024, best ball projections, and other sports, right? We cover baseball and basketball and hockey and a number of other sports at FTN. So everybody should really check that out. In the preseason, there'll be the usual book that I do, which is now the FTN Football Almanac. So there'll be one of those in July. And then I'll be you know, back working next season. Outstanding. As far as the book, where can we get that when it comes out? On FTNFantasy.com and on Amazon. There you go. All right, we're going to get on out of here. Again, Aaron, thank you so much for coming. This has been fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, for the Mafia cast, we'll see you all next week. Go Bills. <laughs>